From the American College of Financial Services, it's time for NextGen in 10. I'm Ross Riskin, chair of the NextGen Advisory Task Force, and for the next 10 minutes, you'll be joined by our hosts and guests discussing topics relevant to up-and-coming financial advisors. Welcome, everyone, to the Next Gen in 10 podcast. I'm Matt Aaron and will be your host for this podcast, where we will be talking to Rianca Dorsonville, founder of Your Greatest Contribution, about the journey as a millennial advisor entering and maximizing your career. Welcome, Rianca. I'm excited to have you on today's podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. Let's talk about diversity. From your perspective, what is the importance of diversity in financial planning, including race, gender, age, et cetera? Yeah, diversity is extremely important, so much so that, um, you know, I have a podcast as well called 2050 Trailblazers, mm-hmm. which focus specifically on diversity, equity, and inclusion in the financial service industry, specifically the financial planning profession. And what I saw was we would talk about either diversity or increasing the retention of diverse planners in the facets that you, you know, just mentioned but it was only talked about one time a year mm-hmm. at an annual conference. And I'm like, okay, well, if we're really going to make a change or, or, or move the needle or actually make some waves, we have to be talking about this all year round. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I started my podcast so that it can truly spark conversation and not only just talk about it, but what tangible actions can we take in order for us to increase diversity, but also provide equity and have a safe space of inclusion as well. And so the importance of it is if you need to figure out the business case for diversity, you can Google it. We don't need to spend time (laughs) on why diversity is important because that's something that you can Google. But it is important for us as a profession to become and look like the mosaic America is turning into. Mm. You know, by the year 2050, this was a census by the Census Bureau, probably like 10 years ago now, is that by the, by the year 2050, the minority population will be the majority population, meaning people from various ethnic backgrounds. Well, a recent study has shown that I think it's now by year 2043, the minority population will be the majority population. And so if we're going to continue to grow and thrive as a profession, we have to become more culturally competent in the citizens that we have here in America, whether they are from a different religious background, whether from an ethnicity perspective, and even gender. You know, over the past 14, 15 years, the number of CFP professionals have remained the same at 23% for women. So it's a constant 23% over the past 15 years. And it's like, well, women are going to outnumber men or have outnumbered men. Mm -hmm. So we need to, again, be a a reflection of what America looks like and very similar with ethnicity and race. I like to say that we're not a melting pot because that means we need to assimilate and become (laughs) the same, but we're more so of a mosaic Mm -hmm. and our differences can be celebrated as well as when we notice the differences that we have and we become more culturally competent, we can be able to help our clients in a more fiduciary way. Understanding that we have, in my practice, I have first generation immigrants where 
they came to college here in America and now they're thriving. They're lawyers and doctors, but they do have family in Venezuela or mm. in Chile or, you know, different parts of Central and South America. And it's like their budget line may be a little larger for travel. Yeah. Right. And then if you don't understand to them, an important piece of their life is to go back and visit family. You may, again, that judgment of just like, all right, well, in order to meet your financial goals, let's trim this travel line without understanding truly the reason why it's is much larger than probably your other clients who have all their family, you know, locally or understanding that in various cultures, the eldest son or the eldest child is financially responsible to help the parents. And so, you know, just understanding the cultural differences and it, it will help you be a better advisor to your client, period. Absolutely. And it, it'll help you to really be more authentic in those relationships because you're not uncomfortable being uncomfortable. Yes. Another important piece with this as well is that it's okay not to know everything. And I think if you approach the client relationship afraid of asking questions, then you may be missing out on opportunities to be able to support and help that client. And it's okay to share with them, I'm going to ask some questions and it is because I want to learn more about you and particularly your culture so I can best serve you. I think if you lead in with that, mm. that will put the client at ease of just saying, you know, they don't feel picked on or right. they don't feel like you are, I don't know, you know, judging them or something. It's like, oh, this person doesn't know. And if I want them to help me, I kind of have to educate them around this piece. Right. No, that, that's awesome. And I think the word serve is so powerful in that you really can't serve someone without going deeper below the surface. Please share your experience with your education and why do you think it's important? How it, has it add value in your practice? And are you studying now for any other designations? So I am a a certified financial planner, that is the only designation that I have. And honestly, where I am in, in my career and, you know, the clients that I'm serving, I think that is it for me for, for now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the CFP, again, you know, I see as a gold standard in our profession. It's comprehensive. And, you know, I have a love of taxes. And so I was thinking about potentially getting the EA designation, which is the enrolled agent. Mm -hmm. But that's more so if you want to prepare taxes. So I don't necessarily want to prepare taxes. I understand that. I fully, fully understand. And, you know, prior to me, you know, uh, starting my own firm, one of the education pieces that I received at my first firm, which I'm very grateful for, it was we had to learn how to read tax returns, mm -hmm. um, not only personal, but business tax returns and how they flowed from one schedule to the next. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very well versed when it comes to taxes. But again, as I get more small business owners, I want to be able to be a collaborator with, you know, their tax advisor and their tax planner to be able to come to the table with solutions rather than just, you know, questions. So I don't know. I have the books. <laughs> I read them from time to time, just, you know, from an education standpoint. Sure. 
which I know quite a few people do do that as well. So they don't go through necessarily the full gamut of actually sitting for the exams, but more so of just getting the material just to become well-versed in it. I, I don't think you need to have an alphabet soup of designations behind your name in order to feel confident about where you are in your career. However, when you don't know something, it's okay to say, I'm not sure about that. Let me, let me tap into my network. Let me tap into my resources and I'll get back to you. Clients will respect that more than you just telling them, you know, a lie <laughs> or, or, or trying to think of something off the top of your head and then right. having to go come back and say, actually, I'm sorry, I gave you the wrong information. So that's where I am. You know, I think the, the power of the CFP is that even after taking the exam, you're still not going to know everything. If you did, you would have gotten a, a perfect score in the exam, which very few people do. I don't know anyone who did, but it does give you an opportunity to really serve your clients, identify what, where you might need to go and follow up and go deeper, right? And I think the point around the tax returns are so key. It's not always the traditional education that's, that's important. It's those things that um, is just going to help you to be a better advisor. Early on in my career, one of my mentors, he actually forced me to do my own taxes. And he said, hey, I want you to do your own taxes so you fully understand. Yes, we'll cross-reference it with my accountant to make sure it's, you didn't screw it up. But I want you to do your own taxes so you can be able to have a deeper conversation with your clients to understand how everything is coordinating within their plan as well as their taxes. So I think that's so good and so important for people to recognize that they have to carve out the time and focus on continuing to get smarter about our business. And I think the more you do that, the more your stock goes up as an advisor. Yes, Totally, totally agree. And I love that, that your mentor <laughs> made you do your own taxes. I think that is so smart. That is so smart. Right. Because you don't want to screw up your own stuff. So you really <laughs> got to go all in and try to do the extra research, figure out where you can save money and, and what deductions apply to you and et cetera. So I think you know, it was it was definitely good. I think I'm at this point where I'm trying to transition on stop doing my own taxes, you know, just from a value of time standpoint. But uh, but I think that that is that's good. Well, thank you, Rianca, for uh, joining us today. For more episodes, visit our website at theamericancollege.edu/podcasts. This has been Next Gen in Ten, brought to you by the American College of Financial Services.